time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, yes. I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Oh, happy Saturday to you. We got a lot to cover here on Sports Wrap this evening. Uh, when is it okay for me to go all Earl Woods on my two-year-old? We'll explain. Uh, I may just go also, uh, you know, old man, get off my lawn guy. Because I, I don't understand... Uh, the NBA's new version of cryptocurrency. We'll talk about that, too, coming up a little bit later. But I, I just, for the life of me, I don't understand it. So maybe you can help me, and certainly Nick Roddy can help me. Nick, uh, good evening to you. How are you? Good. How's it going? Uh, a big week this week. Lion's schedule has been released. Mm. Uh, we go 17 games this year. Uh, this is the first year of the 17th game. You get the reduction in preseason games. So you go three preseason, now 17 Thank in the regular goodness. season. Thank goodness. You like that? Yeah. Why do you need four preseason games? It's like, oh, no, I agree. get rid of it altogether. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, well, good. Wish granted. So you get an extra regular season game. And I think when you look at the schedule, there are some interesting storylines based on what has happened since... You know, Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell have come into the picture, this offseason draft, the, the whole thing. There's been, I think, the development now into this schedule is pretty interesting. And look, I want to break it down. It, we can talk about wins and losses. We can talk about strength of schedule, all that stuff. I don't really buy into the strength of schedule thing, whether or not it's you got a tough schedule, you got an easy schedule, you got cupcakes, you got you got a bunch of tough games in a row. I don't necessarily buy that. Um, what I don't like about this particular schedule is it they don't have any back-to-back home games, which is strange. They have um, one. So you... Uh, weeks 12 and 13. Oh, uh, you're right. Thanksgiving. Weeks 12 and 13. Yep. Yes, into de- into December 5th with the Vikings. So they got one... Ba- so it's it's you're really all over the board. Now, let's just kind of start from the top. September 12th. Uh, they host the Niners. San Francisco comes into town for a 1 o'clock kick. Interesting uh, addition of note here for San Francisco. Trey Lance, Niners moved up in the draft. Pick Trey Lance. You assume he will be in the mix or at that starting spot, whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo factors in. Trey Lance is going to be in the mix, whether or not he has a nice offseason and, and can play himself into that role. Uh, what do you think of that that first game uh, at home against San Fran? I think it's perfect timing to play the San Francisco 49ers week one. Like you said, if you're going to play Trey Lance, you might as well get it out week one because he's only going to get better mm-hmm. with time. If it's Jimmy G, I think it doesn't really matter when you play him. So I, I think if it's the toss-up of Lance versus Garoppolo, you better get that out of the way early in the season while he's making his debut. But... We do know the Lions haven't particularly done well against rookie quarterbacks. If you'll remember 
three years ago, they opened the season with the New York mm-hmm. Jets and Sam Darnold's first game on Monday Night Football, and he shredded the Lions. So not not great history against with rookie quarterbacks, but I think it's a good first week. First game of the Patricia era also against uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, I, I, I've got that as a loss. I think I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo's in there, I think he's probably the guy to get things started. Um, I think that's an L for the Lions week one. I think they start 0-1. Uh, week two, September 20th, 8-15 kick, Monday night football, the Aaron Rodgerless Green Bay Packers okay. <laughs> on the road at Lambeau. Uh, no, I look, the, the, the Aaron Rodgers situation continues to be up in the air. You don't think he's getting traded. I think the, the odds, uh, are, I don't know. I don't know how good they are. I think he's, I think they're really considering it no matter what they're telling you. Um, you got a Monday night football kick game, uh, week two, eight fifteen in Lambeau. Uh, I, again, you talk about getting a game out early, uh, week two September in Lambeau is a lot different than January in Lambeau. Yeah, but if you're the NFL, it doesn't sound like they think Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded because would you want to have a Jared Goff, Blake Bortles Monday night football game in week two or, oh. or Jared Goff and uh, Jordan Love? I don't think they yeah. think he's getting traded if they schedule Green Bay and Monday night football week two. For all the griping ESPN's had over the years about, oh, how – Monday Night Football gets the the poor draw. I think Aaron Rodgers sticking around, and I think it's a great time to go to Green Bay if you want to make a trip. All right, so uh, I got an L there as well. Are we in agreement? Uh, yeah, sure. I think they'll split right. one of the first two games. I think they beat San Francisco. All right, All right. Uh, you got Week Three, September twenty sixth, at home against Baltimore. Uh, obviously kind of a disappointing year for Lamar Jackson. Uh, again, you get them early. That's when you want to get Baltimore. Yeah, I think it's an interesting game. You haven't hosted the Ravens at home in a while. I think it'll be a good game to go to. Um, you got back-to-back weeks, October 3rd to October 10th, Chicago and Minnesota. Interesting with Chicago, obviously, they they spent a lot of time, a lot of social media uh, uh, space uh, pegging Andy Dalton as as QB one. Well, then they go out and draft, uh, you know who who I would imagine would be uh, the starter in Justin Fields. Uh, so you got two back to back games: Chicago, Minnesota. I think they split those games, um, but it's going to be interesting to see how where those teams are at. You know, when you get to week four and five. Yeah, definitely, and it's a tough start to the schedule. You don't, I mean. You get your two division games. You get all three of your division games yeah. on the road in the first week five, five weeks. Yeah. I, I've never seen that before, so it's going to be tough. you, you got to win. If you're going to be competitive, and I think that might be a stretch for this Lions team, if you want to be competitive, you got to you got to show something early on because you get all three road games from division teams early. Uh, then they've got a home date with Cincinnati, Chase the new – uh, toy there uh, for Joe Burrow, and I think um, I, I think the Lions are going to win that game at home. I, I, I think I think Cincinnati is pretty terrible, um, even with Chase. I, we'll, we'll see how they uh, things shake out there, but I think that's a win at home for the Lions. Then you go on the road, on the road, four oh five kick from L.A. where you go. 
uh, we, we, we're going to see some familiar faces there. Number nine, you got the Rams in week seven, October 24th. Uh, that is going to be an interesting, interesting game, and I would imagine the Rams take it to the Lions in that one. But you got you got a little Stafford uh, golf matchup there in Week Seven. I'm excited. I, I just think it's going to be. <laughs> I think it's going to be so much fun just to watch Matthew Stafford on another team. I'm a, I'm a Matthew Stafford fan. Um, I hope he does well in Los Angeles. I think he's going to play well this season. I, I'm excited for that game. It's already in my calendar, Chris. No doubt. I, and look, I, 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 as as much of a fan I am of Stafford, I think he's a very talented quarterback. I think it's going to do him a lot of good uh, for a change of scenery, and I think L.A. is going to be a nice spot for him. Next week, you've got Carrion Johnson and the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And Darius on, Slay. Uh, and Darius Slay on Halloween, October 31st. Uh, it's going to be another interesting one. Then they got a bye week. They go back-to-back steelers and Cleveland, those are both two good teams. I think you want to get. I, I, I like where the Steelers are at in the schedule. You're kind of midway through, and the same thing goes for Cleveland. Um, you're they're in that black and blue division, uh, always beating e- up uh, on each other there. Then you got November 25th, uh, your first divisional game since October 10th. November 25th, you've got Chicago on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's three out of four years hosting Chicago on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I think it's time to see a new team on Thanksgiving, but it's kind of, it's been kind of a boring <laughs> matchup recently. Wasn't that the Chase Daniel game when he played for the Bears against yes. the Lions on Thanksgiving and he beat the Lions? Oof. I don't like the last six games of this schedule uh, of this particular season. December 5th, Minnesota. December 12th, Denver. December 19th, uh, Arizona. Then you got the Falcons, the Seahawks, and the Packers to round the thing out at home. Um, I think you're looking at one win in that stretch, probably uh, versus Atlanta. Um, and, and you could probably, you know, depending on how Denver is, uh, you know, I don't know that they're the strongest team in the NFL either. So, I mean, you, you've got one or two wins in that last uh, uh, stretch of the season. What do you think of the schedule here for this team? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you have them over under their win last year or their win total last year of five? Where, where do you see this, I this see, thing at for them? I mean, I see right around five. I can see six, um, but they could be going for history. They could be the first team to beat all five bird mascots in the NFL in one year. No. The Ravens, the Eagles, Cardinals, Falcons and Seahawks. They play all five. Wow, look at that. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what if Lions fans are going to be real excited about that. I'm but sure I, they I, would. I look I think it I think at this point I see probably anywhere between three and five wins. Uh, I I'm more on the lower side of that five. I would take the under. Um I think you gotta win against Chicago. I think you gotta win against uh uh Cincinnati. And then take your pick. I think you got to win against uh, Atlanta, and then maybe Denver would be your four. Is is kind of where I'm at. Four wins for this team, which is good for the future because I think another strong draft uh, high atop the board is probably going to do this team a lot of good. All right, we still have a lot to do here on the show this evening. I, I don't quite understand what's going on in the NBA in terms of uh, this value uh, appointed to plays, videos of plays throughout games. We'll talk about that, and we'll also talk about uh, golf coming up. 
you've got golf season already kind of in swing, but it's going to really start ramping up here shortly. Uh, what are you seeing on the golf courses? Are you seeing some maybe less than stellar conditions? We'll talk to uh, the head of the Superintendents Association of Michigan and and talk about some of the pitfalls that they're seeing. And then look, I, I got I got a two and a half year old, uh, almost three this summer. I want to know when I can start taking him to the golf course. We'll talk about that. Sports Wrap continues here on WJR Next. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. And let me take this moment to be get off, uh, you know, get off my lawn guy. Old get off my lawn guy. So we all know of cryptocurrency, of, you know, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, of the whole thing. Well, now the NBA is kind of getting involved in that. This story uh, from March 2nd. People have spent more than $230 million buying and trading digital collectibles of NBA highlights. They're called NBA Top Shots, and they're essentially a blockchain of a trading card. So of a notable play, of a you know Steph Curry half-court, three-point swoosh, whatever it is, they make a, a limited number of, of these highlights available that you can purchase in a pack of however many they come in, a few of them. You can uh, you know spend 10 bucks and you get two or three or four highlights and then it's kind of a crapshoot. You don't know what you're going to get. Maybe you get a really uh, highly uh, sought after clip of a play. You can use that to you know sell it and make more money. So, and Nick and I have been talking about this a lot. You know, you, you talk about a LeBron James highlight, Nick, being sold for 200000 Zion Williamson going for similar numbers. I don't understand what this is. Because <laughs> it, in my mind, what makes a, a baseball card valuable, what makes a Mickey Mantle card valuable, is you've got the card, and there are only so many of these cards. What I don't understand about these video top shots, these video blockchain, you know, uh, uh, cryptocurrency type of pieces here, is I don't understand where the value is. If I can go on YouTube and watch LeBron James posterize, uh, you know, uh, uh, whoever, pick your player, then I don't understand what the value is in one of these in one of these video clips that you would buy. Okay. Now, I understand that uh, that this piece is unique to you because you own this video. But if I can, uh, the only thing that's happening here for me is I'm 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 seeing it. I it, that that to me is where y- you lose me. So can, can you explain to me what this is about? This NBA Top Shot deal. Uh, hopefully. So I think you got to get it out <laughs> of your head that it's it's a video. Yes, it's a clip, but. I assume that the only reason it's a video is because it's more engaging than just a photo that are on trading cards. So it's sure. not like, oh, I have this video on a trading card and the videos on YouTube and they're the same thing. The only, If you have a Mickey Mantle card, it's only valuable if you sell it. That's what makes these top shot cards or, or collectibles valuable. 
is reselling them to other people. So the fact that it's backed up by blockchain assures you that there's only so many, they aren't being mass produced. So you have assurances that you have one of a hundred of LaMelo Ball's first assist. So once you have that, it has value because people want that. It's just like your Mickey Mantle card, your Honus Wagner card. I think I think talking but about it as, as a YouTube video is a little off base. I, I mean, look, I, I, I'm the first to admit I don't get it. I don't get it. Because if that Mickey Mantle card that you have sells for whatever, $500,000, which is on the low side, I think I saw somewhere hold on i gotta find it um a recent 1952 tops mickey mail card worth today 5.2 million dollars so if a mickey mail card is worth five mil that's a thing that's like a it's it's in it's got to be in pristine condition it's got to be in uh you know you don't want to have any creases or folds or frays on the edge it, it's it's got to be rated uh it's it's th- there's a whole system that goes into the value of this card if you fold it up into a, a cootie catcher it, it ain't going to be worth five million which it's gonna might be worth make $5. these nba top shots even better to own because they don't lose value if you accidentally uh, drop it on the floor and your dog walks on it, like if you if you if you're the person who spends five hundred thousand dollars or five million dollars on a card, and you get it delivered and it has a crease in it, you're going to be upset. That's why I think these are the future of trading because they won't lose their value because they are digital and virtual. And yeah, you can't hang them on or you can't post them on your wall or put them in a little plaque, but maybe eventually you will get a, a virtual plaque that you can have it on your wall or have it in your man cave or something like that. Absolutely. It's going to be just a little screen. Yeah. And it's just going to be, it's going to be continuous, uh, a 45 second cut of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Andre Drummond missing a free throw. <laughs> it's just going to be continuous. Uh, it's going to be like, uh, you know, you're, you're in purgatory. So I look I I admit I don't understand but here's the thing is not only are, are is there a market for this which again I I don't understand but if there's a market for it as of early March you got 230 million reasons why there's a market for this but I would imagine that this won't just stop in the NBA no that this is going to go to Major League Baseball, they're going to go to the NHL, and certainly, certainly, the NFL is going to get involved in this. Yeah, Why? I mean, you, you talk about where the money is. There, there are, uh, and I got to find the number here, and I lost it. But the the NBA is taking you know fifteen percent of this of this money. Yeah, it's just free cash. Well, I, the the NBA fans are much more. Uh digitally uh savvy i think it will be re- i think that's why it's very successful in the nba but i mean we grew up trading baseball cards so you think it's a natural fit for major league baseball but can you imagine being one of the no 100 people who own a patrick mahomes that left-handed pass he threw oh like that would be special it would be special. It would be special in the sense that what you own that clip, 
You know, you own that thing. I think you got to get out of your head. It's a video. You own. It's a. It's a. I think it's a trading card. It happens to be online. All right, fair enough. You know, the other thing is what's kind of cool about this is wherever you are, wherever you are, you've got access to it. You know, I've got I've got bins of baseball cards in my basement, uh, two or three plastic tubs of baseball cards. What do I do with them? They're just sitting there. Yeah. Here, y- y- they don't even take up space. It's just uh, in the ether. So, I mean, it is. I mean, look, I get it. I see where this is going. I don't understand. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I don't, I don't did, get did this help at all or no? No, 100%. No. <laughs> But uh, look, I'm interested. Maybe we should do a little research. Maybe we should, maybe a sports rap should acquire some top shots. Maybe yeah, make maybe some money we'll off of it. Maybe yeah, we'll make it's some an money. investment. It is. It is an investment. All right, more to come here on Sports Wrap. Uh, Chris Renwick, Nick Roddy here on WJR coming up next. Now back to more Sports Wrap, presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. One of the big winners, taking you back to last summer, one of the big winners during COVID, and COVID's been an awful time, but golf courses really did really well last summer. And and a lot of that has has continued on to to this part of, of the year or, or late spring, you know, getting into summer here. And uh, the reason really that why the game flourished last year here in Michigan was because of, it was really one of the only activities you could participate in. It was outside. You were able to socially distance. It was a win-win. So golf really in the state saw a huge peak last year. And, and again, a lot of those numbers are continuing, but with that comes a whole other set of things that you need to think about, right? I played a couple rounds this year and most of the courses that I played have been in really good shape. The winners, it wasn't too damaging to a lot of these courses. Um, And so a lot of these superintendents and grounds crew members got a a nice head start on, on restoring the course to, you know, midsummer form or or whatever. And so that's an important part here, but just like many other industries in our state and around the country, golf course superintendents, ground crew members, they're just not as, uh, I don't know, plentiful as they have been in years past. And so many people are saying, look, you're seeing an uptick in, in uh, uh, pace of play is a lot slower because the courses are a lot busier. And in some cases, a lot of these courses aren't in great shape. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because there's a severe lack of, of shortage of grounds crew members that are able to upkeep and take care of the course. It's a very interesting story. And to help us kind of get a, a fuller picture here, we were able to reach out and thankfully able to spend some time with Adam Mickamus, who is the executive director of the Michigan Golf Course Superintendents Association. And he joins us this evening on Sports Wrap. Adam, how are you? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got it. I, I mean, look, I, I think pace of play has slowed down because more people are on the course. And and with that, I mean, you're just going to see uh, the course getting beat up a little bit. Do you have the people uh, able to 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 keep this thing up? Or are you seeing a shortage like many others in the restaurant industry or other sectors of our economy? Are you seeing a, a shortage in your workforce? Yeah, we sure are. It's the number one thing I hear from all of our members. Uh, we have well over 400 golf course superintendent members in our association and 700 or so total 
uh, it is the number one issue we're having is, uh, you know, normally you, you have a golf course crew of 10 to 12. A lot of people are trying to get by with four, maybe even less than that. Lots of times it's just the superintendent and one other person. Uh, and that's going to take its toll. Uh, that would take its toll any year. But specifically now, all of a sudden, golf is on pace to break. Uh, last year was the second busiest year we've ever had. Uh, the busiest year was 1997 after Tiger won the Masters. Uh, and everybody kind of thinks that we're probably going to go over that this year. So uh, just the traffic on the golf course, the ability to get out in the afternoons and do work when you're, you know, the pace of play is slow. It's pretty impossible. I'm sure you guys have all been waiting on the tee for the guy to finish mowing the rough for the fairway or whatever it is. Um, you know, if you don't have enough people to do all that in the morning before play, you got to try to do it in the afternoon during play. Uh, so it's just really inefficient and really a big challenge for our members. How does this differ from other years? You talk about in the past, so you've had, you know, upwards of, you know, anywhere between 10, 20 different uh, grounds crew members at, at any particular course. Uh, how are, what, how, what makes this particularly different than other years? Is it, is it just a COVID thing or are you seeing a decline um, at, at this end of the game where, you know, this part of the game is, is a necessity. It's, it's up to you guys um, to make sure that the courses are in good condition enough to where people can come and play them. So are you seeing a decline in that part of the game or, or is it just specifically to COVID? You know, it's been building for a while. Uh, there's been a lot of smoke that's kind of turned into fire because of COVID. Um, it's always, it's always been an issue. Uh, back when I was a superintendent, we used to have job fairs and, you know, 20, 30, 40 people show up for a job. And now, I mean, just to compete uh, pay-wise, uh, which, you know, obviously impacts the budget, which then impacts the cost of a round of golf, um, and all trickles down to the golfer. So it's it's definitely worse now uh, as to why. I mean, it, it could be COVID-related. Uh, it could be based on, you know, a lot of people think it's based on the unemployment payments that people are getting. When I started on the golf course uh, at 17 years old, I mean, I, I discovered this amazing job where you get to see the sunrise and you're outdoors and you're on a golf course and that instant gratification of taking care of the playing surfaces before the golfers come out. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a great job. You know, you get out there at five thirty-six in the morning, you're done by two or three in the afternoon. You have the rest of the day to go play golf or take care of other things. So it's a great job and it can lead to a great career. There's also a big shortage of uh, students going through the turf program at Michigan state. Uh, I graduated in 2002 with close to 30 and this year, I think there's 10 in the program. Uh, and it's been like that for a while. So it, it really can be an opportunity. If you love golf and you love being outside, uh, it might be the right fit for you. And, you know, you can make a pretty good living being a golf course superintendent. Well, let me ask you this. Did, did it did it make you a better golfer? No, no. It, well, <laughs> that's not true. You know, it did. It did when I got to be the golf course superintendent. I was up at Crystal Mountain in northwest Michigan, and sure. they had a really good golf school. So I started playing with the, more of the golf pros and you know, I'd see him on a break and go take a few swings. So it did, that made me a better golfer. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, there's some parts of it that sure can definitely make you a better golfer. You think more about drainage and the way putts break towards the drains and irrigation and sand types and that sort of stuff. But uh, I think at this point, I'm too far gone. <laughs> All right, well, I'm I'm 32 and I feel the same way. Uh, yeah. You talk about just the, the, the necessary, the need for, grounds crew member superintendents is, is huge. How can golfers play a role in this? Obviously it ju just doing the little things, right? It's replacing a divot, yeah. filling it with, uh, with sand or seed and, um, you know, fixing your, uh, your, your, you know, your ball marks on the green, whatever it is I would imagine. And th those are all just very simple little things that, 
that golfers can do, but it can contribute to the overall well-being of, of any course you play, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, one of the things I often talk about is people that are hunters and how they, you know, they take care of the environment and they pass up on bucks that are too small or throw the fish back if it's too little. Uh, I mean, if you really care about golf and enjoy that as part of your life, uh, it behooves you to take care of those facilities and also to think about what you're paying for. Um, you know, if you're if you're playing Arcadia Bluffs, I think you have some expectations that match that price point. If you've mm -hmm. got a group golfer code for a twilight round for 20 bucks, uh, you know, maybe you're not going to get uh, Arcadia Bluffs or, you know, Augusta National for that price. So I think it's important that you think about what you're what you're paying for. And if there's a golf course you love and you like, uh, support them. Right. I mean, a lot of people see golf courses as this way to uh, to sit in there. It's a great way to make money. The profit margins are so thin and it's so weather dependent and it's a short season. Um, so this this new increase in play is great. And, you know, raking traps and fixing your ball marks and all that is good as well. But I think also matching expectations to what you're paying for is important as well to make sure that you have a good experience. So how, the, how, how do you see this thing progressing? Where does this go from here? I mean, how do you attract people to this part of the game? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you know, there's there's different programs around the country that have done some pretty aggressive marketing to high school students. Uh, we have a program we call the First Green, uh, where we basically go out and do some science experience on golf courses uh, through, you know, it's usually middle school, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade to kind of expose them to all the agronomic stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So it really is a pretty deep scientific profession uh, when you dig into all the data and the soil and the grass types and water and inputs and all that sort of stuff to, to get it to work. Um, so I think that's important to reach out to younger folks um, as far as getting into it as a career and going to college for it. Uh, as far as general labor goes, honestly, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what's going to turn that around. Uh, more than likely, there's probably going to be some robot mowers out there. You're going to see mowers without seats on them uh, operating with GPS technology as that stuff starts to progress. And it's already starting. It's just not quite there yet. Um, but I, I just don't know if there's a way to see a massive turnaround uh, in young folks that want to necessarily be outside and doing some manual labor and uh, all that sort of stuff. But maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Well, look, I, I think um, you, you look at this particular sport and, and the way that it's always been constructed. It's a, a gentleman's game and and there are a lot of, uh, you know, kind of the unwritten rules to everything. But with all that being said, you look at a sport like football, you look at the, the uh, soccer and any baseball, certainly any of these sports uh, that, that have somebody that has people that tend to the surface in which they play uh, mm -hmm. are often just as important as times as, as the players on the field, uh, or ice or whatever surface. Uh, so yeah. it, it's obviously something that we'll keep an eye on here in the state of Michigan as, as more golfers get out there. Um, but certainly uh, our, uh, our thoughts are with you as you, you, you keep everything green for us. So we appreciate all the work you do. Thank you, Chris. And I would encourage anybody that's listening that, that enjoys the game of golf, looking for a summer job uh, to reach out to your local golf course and find out if there's a spot for you. I bet there is. Awesome. Adam Ickmus, Executive Director of the Michigan Golf Course Superintendents Association. Always appreciate your time. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Chris. All right, there he is. More to come on Sports Wrap. Coming up next, Chris Renwick, Nick Rowdy here on WJR.
back to more Sports Wrap. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Here's Chris Renwick. All right, welcome back. And look, I got, I got a question. And I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of fathers, uh, certainly or mothers, have been in this situation. And, and Nick, I, I need your help figuring this out. All right, so you know Jake. I got J- Jake. Jake is, is almost three. He'll be three in June. And uh, I really want to get Jake on the golf course, I, or at least, uh, you know, somewhere that he can kind of figure out the game of golf. Now, to talk about what a degenerate I am, <laughs> I purchased a real set of clubs for him. So they're real clubs. They're like uh, irons. I got a driver. I don't have a putter. And every time I talk about getting him a little putter, I mean, you could feel my 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 wife roll her eyes in, uh, you know, North Carolina. I mean, it, it's it's that ridiculous. All right. And I understand. I own it. But my question is, when can I go all Earl Woods here and just try to get this kid going? Like, is it too early? Am I too ambitious? I want to get him. I love playing golf. It's one of my favorite hobbies. Um, and I think it would be cool to kind of get him out there, you know, get him in the golf cart, ride around. I think it would be a fun experience for him. Too young. Am I, like, jumping the gun here? So did he get the plastic set of clubs that all the young toddlers get before these brand-new irons he got? I, I think for he their had Callaway those. Or, what did he get? He, he got some brand yeah, name. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, no, they're not. They're like <laughs> top flight or whatever. Uh, and I, in fact, I got them at the, the Michigan Golf Show over at the Suburban Collection. Uh, but, yeah, I think I had purchased the, the plastic set before he was born. Like, they were waiting at home. Now, did he use them a lot? Does he use his irons now? Does he play with them outside? Well, so, you know, as a... Or are you forcing as, because, him to do this? Well, yeah. so, look, he likes to go outside and kick the soccer ball around. He likes, he's got a little t-ball set that he likes to play with. He's not overly coordinated yet. Uh, uh, you know, and basketball he likes. Like, he's into it. Uh, but I think I would like to try to push the envelope a little further. To try to get him to to swing. Now he likes when I hold the club with him and help him swing, and he likes it and he thinks it's fun and funny. Uh, but I just I want to go. I just want to push all the chips in. Like I want to go full Earl Woods, and let's just get this kid. Like I got it. We got to beat him into greatness here. Like let's let's do this thing. So yeah, what's the first step? Do you take him to a driving range? Do you take him putt putting? I don't know. Yeah, you know it's a good question. I don't know. It's a good question. So like I would imagine. Like the putt putt thing is probably step number one. Like get him into that uh, environment, right? Like it's probably fun, yeah. and then like uh, let him putt it around. Like I think that's probably cool. Or like any type of, you know, any type of situation where if I can get him to enjoy it, <laughs> I think that would probably help me later on. Yeah, you need him to be occupied though too. I mean, you yeah. You don't want him to get past the second hole and want to leave. So I think that's why putt putts right. the good idea of each hole's different. You hit it through the little clown's mouth. Either you put it in the water, and you get the satisfaction of getting the ball in the hole eventually. If you're Jake, probably. 
Right. And I know you're a, a farming tonight or whatever you guys call yourselves. Uh, what's that? Uh, what's that uh, pot pot place over on Grand River? It, it, it with all those decrepit looking animals <laughs> that are there. Do you know what I'm talking I about? I do. I don't know the Across name. The, a, no, I don't know the name either. But the, maybe we could go there. Like right. Like it, it's it's uh, he ain't hurting anything. <laughs> At that point, no. so like, let's get him there. There's he could see a, an, a you know a ninety year old gorilla, and away we go. I think the golf course, like I think it would be fun to be in the golf cart, right? Like that yeah. the, that you're driving around, like you're outside. Like I think that could it's like another draw to the whole thing. Yeah. Like he, he, this is why I bring this up because I'm in, I'm I'm try I'm trying to work it over here. I'm trying to get this kid out there. And my wife's like, what are you do- like? What are you doing? Why-, why are you trying to push the envelope here? And I'm like, because I think he'll be have fun. And maybe I'm just, you know, hoping that he'll be my meal ticket. OK, so when <laughs> yeah, when did you start golfing or playing with um, golf clubs? I started golfing in 2015. Oh, so you were well past the age of three. So I was well past the age of three. <laughs> I and I and he, here's why because we were getting married and I wanted to have a big tournament because we like we're not from here like we weren't born here so all of our extended family and stuff is out of state so when everybody was coming in I was like you know we we got married over at uh at St. John's in Plymouth and I said look at the day after let's have like a big uh you know family tournament like I we got a bunch of golfers in the family so I said let's let's get everybody out there and we'll have fun my life's like, I'm not doing that. So I'm like, all right, well, then I'll do it. So uh, so I tried to take up golfing ahead of that. Turned out the next day it was it, like incredibly stormy and like a tornado or something. So uh, it didn't work, but that's when I started golfing. So I, I haven't even been golfing that long, which is why I got to try to go Earl Woods here and get this kid way ahead of the curve. Yeah. Do you think he's more talented at golf than he is at uh, kicking the soccer ball two feet or, or missing the ball off the tee? Is this no, his I gotta be honest. His 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 soccer skills, I think, are ahead of where I thought he'd be. All right, like he's he he can he can move it around. Uh, again, I mean, again, he ain't Ronaldinho. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he, he's he's too. But but um, I think if I can push him in this direction, I'd be I think I'd be better served. Now, this probably could go for many sports. Like when do you put when do you put him in something? Like when do you put him in soccer? When do you put I him think in you take him to summer camp. T-ball? I think you take him to summer camp this year. You think I you think I take him to uh like a like a like a like a like a camp for a specific sport like golf? Uh yeah. I wouldn't say golf, but All I would right. say maybe like a multi-sport camp where they might play a different right. sport each day. Fair enough. All right. There it is. That's the win. There's the answer. That's going to do it for us. There it is. Yes, there it is. Thank you. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Chris Renner with Nick Roddy, Sports Rep here on WJR.